is really a privilege and a pleasure to be here with you this morning as we wrap up this series that we've been looking at all throughout the month of July. Uh, but before we open up God's Word to take a look at it together, uh, let's bow our heads and let's pray together. Lord, I pray that the words I'm about to speak and the thoughts that we think as together we meditate on your Word for us today, Lord, I pray that that would all be truly acceptable in your sight, O God, who is indeed our rock and our Redeemer, the source of grace and love in our lives. Amen. So over these, uh, th- these weeks, we've been looking at this thing uh, called um, this one nation under God, and we've been kind of looking at our country and how it seems so broken and divided. It seems like uh, we've never been more at odds with one another before, and we've been trying to say, what can we as Christians do? And we want to wrap up this series, this last week of the series, by being incredibly practical. I I want you to be able to leave today knowing exactly what it is that you can do to make a difference in our country. But first, got to warn you, the sermon's going to be a little weird, okay? It's going to be a little weird because it's not going to just flow like a normal sermon. There's three things I need to kind of teach you about or we need to talk about a little bit together. And and it's going to seem like they're not really connected to one another. But trust me, stick with me. I think I can tie it all up with a bow at the end for you, okay? All right, so here's the three things we need to talk about. First of all, we need to review a little bit this idea that, that we exist in two kingdoms. We need to talk about that. We need to talk about the nature of the law. What is the law really all about? Or maybe better, how does the law function in our lives? And then we need to talk about whether there's going to be law in heaven. And once we've done that, then we can kind of tie that all together. Okay, so here goes. So a couple weeks ago, uh, Nick uh, helped you understand this concept that as we study God's word, what we realize is if you are a Christian, you have dual citizenship. On one hand, you are a citizen of the United States of America or whatever country it is that you are a citizen of. You, you, are, you are a citizen of an earthly country, and then you are also a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Again, if you are a believer, if you're a baptized child of God, you are a citizen of that kingdom of God. You are a citizen of both of these kingdoms. And we refer to them this way. We, we, we kind of arbitrarily pick the left hand for the civil realm. We say the left hand kingdom is the civil realm. And the right hand kingdom, that's the spiritual realm, okay? And we say they both belong to God. God is at work in both of them. He created everything. So he's at work in both of them, both of these two kingdoms. Now the left hand kingdom, the civil realm, God is at work through things like law and justice, and God is seeking to promote peace and, uh, and to defend those who are weak and in need of defense. God is, the goal is that human beings would flourish, that you'd be able to be all you can be. If you remember back, maybe you were in second grade and your second grade teacher looked at the class and she said, class, do you realize you can be whatever you want to be? If you all want to grow up and be president of the United States, you can do that. Now, I don't know why anybody would really want to do that, but, but that, you know, that, that's the idea that, that you can be whatever you can be in our country. Uh, that's how God works to promote that human beings can flourish in that left-hand kingdom. The right-hand kingdom is different. That's the religious kingdom, this, this kingdom we call the church or the family of God. And in it, the gospel is preached, the good news about what Jesus has done for us. And, and we give grace here. We are a grace place. Later in the service, we're going to receive communion. And from, with that body and blood of Jesus, we're going to receive forgiveness of our sins. And, and so we are a place where grace is given. And when we preach the gospel and grace is given... We believe that hearts and lives are changed. 
that, 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 that our lives are transformed through the power of God's love and God's grace. That happens in the right-hand kingdom, okay? All right, so there's a review of the two kingdoms for you. Next thing we have to do is we want to talk a little bit about the nature of the law. And as Lutheran Christians, we typically say it this way. One of our confessional writings, the Formula of Concord, says, the law was given to us, to given to mankind for three reasons. The first reason we find in Romans chapter 13, where, uh, where it says this, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. In other words, we would say the first use of the law is as a, a curb or a barrier to keep people from doing things that will be harmful to them or to others. This weekend, I'm preaching not only here at our Kimberly Way site, but I'm preaching over at our Green Trail site also, which is two and a half miles away. Um, I've already been back and forth once, okay? And as soon as I get done with uh, preaching this sermon, I'm going to go in the room there, I'm going to change my clothes, I'm going to run out, hop in my car, I'm going to drive over uh, to Green Trail so I can preach there. Now, I would love to do about 90 miles an hour down Maple Avenue to get there as fast as I could, right? But why won't I do that? Because I might get a ticket, and I don't want to get a ticket. And why shouldn't I do that? Because it's not safe. It wouldn't be safe for me. It wouldn't be safe for the other cars. So we have laws that restrain people from doing things that they shouldn't do so that we can, they can be safe and other people can be safe. So we say the first use of the law is the law is a curb or a barrier. Okay? Now the second use of the law is found in Romans chapter 3. It says this, No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. So in other words, the Bible says the law is there to show us our sin. We talk about the law being a mirror, a mirror into which we look and to see how our life is out of step with God's plan, and anytime our life is different than what God planned for us, we call that sin, okay? So the law is there as that mirror to help us see and understand what is, what's wrong, what's broken, what's, what's missing, what needs to be fixed in our lives, Finally, then the third use of the law, uh, it, we, found in, in, we find it in Psalm 1, 1 to 2 as an example, where it says, blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on that law day and night. Now, why would you meditate on the law of God day and night? Well, so that you can be more like Jesus. You know, that's our mission as a church, to help us be more like Jesus. So the more we study God's law, the more it becomes a ruler or a guide to help us see how we measure up to Jesus right? To see what kind of progress we're making in our lives. So we, we say the law has three uses as a curb uh, to prevent us from doing things we shouldn't do, as a mirror to show us our sin, and as a guide to help us live our lives in a better way, more like Jesus, okay? All right, that's the three uses of the law. Now, one last thing, will there be law in heaven, all right? Now, um, now, first I have to ask you a different question. Will there be work in heaven, do you think? Turn to the person next to you, tell them what you think. Will you have to work in heaven? Let, let them know, what do you think? It's really a yes-no question. You guys, they don't have to talk that much, all right? Yeah. So, so will there be work in heaven? Now, uh, now, the answer to that is yes, okay? And we know that because in the Garden of Eden, before there was any sin, there was work. 
It says, the Lord God took the man that he had made and he put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. In other words, before there was sin, before this world became a broken place, there was work for Adam to do. And so as a result of that, we believe that, yes, there will be work to do in heaven. Now, I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. Um, uh, one of my professors at seminary said he believes that when you get to heaven, you won't instantly know everything. You'll still be able to learn. And he said, because you'll still be able to learn, he believes there's still going to be teachers in heaven. And I'm pretty excited about that because, as a lot of you know, I was a teacher before I became a pastor. And, and in a lot of ways, I still think of myself kind of as a teacher. So I'm going to have work to do in heaven. That sounds pretty good to me. Now, if you're in the medical field, you're going to need to find a new job, okay? <laughs> Because because there isn't going to be any sickness, there's not going to be you know illness, no surgeries, none of that kind of stuff, and, and so so yeah, the, you're going to have to find something else to do in heaven. And I would argue, if you're a policeman or a policewoman, you're also going to have to find something else to do in heaven because the Bible teaches us. We heard it read earlier in the service that in heaven, everybody's just going to do the right thing. No one's going to do the wrong thing. In fact, did you hear this? This was in Jeremiah 31. God said to this, he says, there's this day that's going to come. He says, after that time, I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. In other words, what he's saying is when we get to heaven, we will instantly know the right thing to do in every circumstance. And not only will we know the right thing to do, but we will want to do the right thing. We will do the right thing. And I don't know about you, but that sounds awesome to me. Um, because I know all too often I'm kind of like Paul wrote in Romans, the good that I want to do I don't do, and that which I don't want to do I do. I, I know that there are sometimes I'm not sure what the right thing to do is. I, I want to do the right thing, I don't even know what it is. And, and I know there are times when I know the right thing to do and I do something else instead. I, I'm looking forward to being in heaven and just I'll know what the right thing to do and I will just want to do it and I will do it all the time. And I, I can't wait, that's going to be awesome. So because of that, will there be law in heaven? No, we don't need law in heaven, at least not externally, because the law will be written in our minds and in our hearts, God promises. Okay, so we've reviewed two kingdoms. You're a citizen of both the left-hand kingdom, which is the civil realm, and the right-hand kingdom, which is the spiritual realm. You're, you, you know the three uses of the law as a curb to keep us from doing bad things, as a mirror to show us our sin, as a guide to help us live better lives. And we've, we've decided there won't need to be law in heaven because it'll be written in our hearts and in our minds. We'll just naturally know and do the right thing when we're in heaven. So what does that all mean, okay? How does that relate to us living practically as citizens in this country? Well, well, here we go. So in the left-hand kingdom, God's law functions to restrain evil as that curb to keep people from doing bad things. So as a result, we as Christians have a responsibility to help promote laws that do exactly that. We should work for laws in our country that keep people from doing bad things, that, that make sure people are treated equally, that, that make sure uh, that life is fair. We, we should be working for that, and we should be voting for candidates who work for those kinds of things in the left-hand kingdom. But here's the problem most Christians make. We try to apply the other two uses of the law into the left-hand kingdom. In other words, we feel that somehow we as Christians are supposed to be the voice of God's truth proclaiming how sinful the world around us is. We, we, we try to show the world their sin. What's the problem with that? They don't believe in sin. They, they don't even believe in God. 
So if they don't believe in God, how can you believe if sin is living your life in a way different than what God planned, and you don't even believe in God, then you don't believe in sin. And all we end up coming off at is being preachy and judgmental to the world around us. Or if we try to tell the world around us, if you want to be like Jesus, here's how you should live, they're going to go, I don't want to be like Jesus. I'm not even sure Jesus existed. And so the problem is when we try to use God's law um, as citizens of the right-hand kingdom in the world around us, it just doesn't work. You see, the law was given to us, those uses of the law, for right here in the right-hand kingdom. I come here to this church family, and I want you to help me see my sin. I want you to help me understand that I need God's love and God's grace. I want you to help me do better to live like Jesus. But even in that, there's something missing, isn't there? I mean, imagine if we just came together every week and we said, okay, you all screwed up this week. Here's what you did wrong. Go try to do better. How would that work? Not very well. See, the Bible says it this way. What the law could not do because human nature was weak, God did. He condemned sin in human nature by sending his own son who came with a nature like our sinful nature to do away with sin. In other words, we not only need the law, we need the gospel. We need to know that that Jesus came to forgive our sins. For all those times that we have failed to live the way God wants us to live, we're forgiven. God still loves us. We've experienced that love and grace through Jesus. I love just a few verses before that in Romans 8, 1. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Folks, we gather together not just so the law shows us our sin and so we can try to do better. We gather together to hear the good news that we are loved by God, that we are forgiven by God. And folks, that sets us free. It sets us free to live lives of love and service to the people around us. It sets us free to go out into this world and not condemn it, not judge it, not try to make sure they know how right we are. It sets us free to go out into this world with love and with grace and an attitude of care and service for others. Let me give you another example of that. I want you to picture right now in your mind a cookie jar with the most perfect cookie you would ever want to eat, okay? Just the absolute best cookie you can imagine. Now, for me, that'd be chocolate chip. They're my favorite cookies, okay? All right, but whatever you want it to be, if you want it to be oatmeal raisin, go ahead. Raisins are nasty. I don't know why you'd want to eat them, but, but go ahead. <laughs> whatever, whatever you want. Whatever, all right, your perfect cookie in the cookie jar. Picture that. Now, I want you to imagine that that cookie jar is sitting in the break room at work, and your boss has said to all of you, those are my cookies, and if any of you touches even one crumb of one of those cookies, you will lose your job. You will be fired. Are you going to eat those cookies? I don't think so. Why not? Because you are afraid of your boss, right? You are afraid you would lose your job. You won't touch those cookies because if you get caught, you'll lose your job, and you don't want that to happen, right? So the law changed your behavior, right? But now I want you to imagine for a second a little different scenario, same jar of cookies, same perfect cookies, but now they're not sitting at work, they're sitting on grandma's kitchen table. And your grandma says to you, look, I made those cookies for dinner later, please, please don't eat any of those cookies before dinner, okay? Are you going to eat those cookies? No way. Why? Because you love grandma, right? 
You're not afraid of her. She's not going to yell at you. If you eat the cookies, she's still going to love you. But, but you won't do it because you love her. And you know she loves you. And you know you're going to get cookies after dinner anyway, right? So, see, the law does motivate people. But it motivates people for a short term, and it's based in fear. The gospel is the only thing that truly changes people's lives. Let me add one last thing to that scenario. Imagine if I told you, beyond a doubt, absolute certainty, if you eat one of those cookies, your boss or grandma, neither of them will ever know. You might eat a cookie at work then. If, if you knew for sure your boss wasn't going to find out, you might help yourself, right? But you're still not going to eat one of grandma's cookies because you love her. And, and folks, that's what we need to remember as we as Christians live in this society and we seek to try to change what is broken in this society. If we go out into the society and we try to use the law and fear to change our society, if we try to get better laws passed, if we try to protest when those laws aren't getting passed, or try to boycott things, if we want to try to show that we're right, rather than being loving, it's never going to work. But if we go out into this world and we seek to change people's hearts and minds with the gospel, that's going to work. Back to that Jeremiah passage. Notice it says, after that time, declares the Lord. When is that time? Someday in heaven? No, it's right now. It starts right now, right here. Jesus didn't come and say, the kingdom of heaven is coming someday when I come back years from now. No, he said the kingdom of heaven is here. The, the fact is God is already working to change people's hearts and minds, and by doing that, change their lives. And we get to be a part of that work. Every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, that's what we're praying for. Every time we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, we're asking God to use us to share his love in the world around us so one life at a time, our society is transformed. Did you notice what he called us in one of those readings? Paul said that you are an ambassador. Now I want you to think about that for a minute. When, when a foreign country sends an ambassador here to this country, that ambassador doesn't like protest and, and tell people how wrong they are and try to change the laws. That ambassador comes with, with words of, of grace and, uh, and, and, and they, they're trying to be nice and they, they want to establish relationships. That's what we're about. That's what we as Christians are about in this world around us. We are ambassadors for God's kingdom. You know, a lot of people say um, that the founding fathers were Christian men who wanted to form a Christian nation. And, and if you say that, I'm sorry, you're wrong. That, that, that's just not true. Some of those founding fathers were indeed Christians, very dedicated Christians. Some of them were really more just deists. They believed there was a God, but they didn't believe in Jesus. And others of those founding fathers, honestly, a few of them, by their writings, they were, they were atheists. They did not believe in God at all. But they all agreed on one thing. They all believed in one thing together. And you know what that one thing was? Freedom. They believed that together they could form a nation where people would be free. Free to worship as they choose, like we are doing this morning. But even more than that, free to share with the society around them goodness and love and grace. Folks, if you want to fix our country, 
If you want our nation to be one nation under God, do it with love. Amen.